Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Sarah Fenske. Let's meet a veteran on a mission. Sheila McGlown was serving in the U.S. Air Force when she was diagnosed with stage four breast cancer, cancer that had already spread. That was 10 years ago. Today, she's still living with cancer and undergoing treatment. She says her 25-year military career helped prepare her for the battle. But her ongoing fight against cancer has also led her to a cause she's passionate about and opened the door to new opportunities. Joining me in studio on this Veterans Day to talk about it is Sheila McGlown. Sheila, welcome to the program. Thank you. So you were told 10 years ago that you had three to five years to live, and yet here you are today. What's the status of your cancer? Right now, um, I am on a clinical trial, and actually I just had a scan on Wednesday, and it's still stable in my, uh, they're looking at a spot in my fourth rib. Okay. Yes. So it is still in places around your body. Yes, but it's not doing anything. It's um, not progressing. Um, so they're trying to see what the clinical trial is going to do. So when they had previously told you this three to five years, um, that must have just been horrifying to hear. Yeah, because the first question that you ask when you diagnose with stage four is like, are you, like, am I going to die? Like, how many years do I have? And the average lifespan is three to five years. And 10 years later, you know, because of research and because of um, great doctors, um, um, I'm still here to talk about it and to be an advocate. And are they saying it at all at this point? Hey, now we think you'll have another 10 years, or now we think this, or are they just not even saying no, it? No, they're point? not even saying it. And I don't even think they say, um, anything like that anymore anyway. But um, me and my doctor, we never had that discussion again in the past 10 years. So. Okay, because you have defied the statistics. Yes, I did. Uh, yeah, almost doubled, you know, 10 years. Yeah. Uh, so you mentioned you're part of a clinical trial. Tell us a little bit about this. What What is that um, looking at? Well, um, the clinical trial, my uh, cancer has started progressing again in July of 2018. And um, I was stable. And uh, my doctor came to me and she said, Sheila, um, your tumor markers are up. And um, the scans show that um, in your fourth rib, um, it's uh, growing again. So I'm like, well, what do you want to do? <laughs> do you, I need to get back on chemo? Do I need to do radiation? And she said, you know, well, I have this clinical trial that you might want to try. And so that's when we decided together um, uh, that I would go on a clinical trial. And it wasn't a last resort because I could have went back on another chemo uh, and sometimes people think that clinical trials are a last resort, and they're not. And we started talking about the clinical trial, and um, actually I've been on it since July of 2018. Uh, so it would be almost, what, 16 months. And it entails a great deal. It entails a lot. Um, just today, I've been over at Barnes. I had to get an EKG. I had to get a um, heart scan, and I had to get blood work done. So once I leave here, I got to go back to Barnes, Stipe Cancer Center, and um, uh, get, you know, treatment and everything else. So. so they're basically testing you to see how this, this treatment medicine. is working. Yes. Um, overall, do you have any sense of, of whether um, the results are promising? Yeah, because... Um, 
you know, 16 months and I'm still stable. And I've been like that for, you know, like I said, 16 months. So the clinical trial is working and it's doing what it's supposed to do. And also, you know, uh, only one to 3% of African American women participate in clinical trials. Now I understand that's become a real focus for you. You want to encourage that number to increase. What do you think has caused such a very low rate of participation for, for women like yourself? I think it's medical um, mistrust in the medical system. Um, and we go back to the Tuskegee Airmen Project and um, Henry Adelex. Um, That's where people were actually being used, used as almost yeah. guinea pigs. Yes. And yet this is, you feel like this is a much different situation, this trial yes, it, that you're in. Yes, yeah, a much different situation. There are laws in place now that are different from way back then. And if we want to cure, you know, we have to be able to um, give ourselves, because um, somebody had to been on the chemos that I were on before this clinical trial. Somebody had to do that for me. Mm-hmm. So I said, well, I'm not just going to walk the walk and talk the talk. I want to do it and show women uh, and show different communities, uh, underserved communities, that, hey, clinical trials do work, and they do. So you see this almost as a way of giving back, that you've chosen this yes. path for your treatment. Yes, I do, I, um, because it's not only going to affect women of all races um, now, but 10, 15 years later, you know, it's going to affect women that are newly diagnosed or that's going to be using its medicine. So, Yeah, I mean, how much do you think of that when you're going through your treatment, that what's happening to your body might be the thing that leads to something that, that is a major breakthrough? I think that's what keeps me going um, because um, the side effects are I'm not going to say it's all nice, <laughs> but the side effects are really um, sometimes it's like, oh, my God, am I just really, you know, You're in some pain. Go, yeah, going through this. Not so much pain, but like nausea and uh, where you just, just want to just lay down fatigue or whatever. But it's so worth it because it's so rewarding because, you know, I'm helping future generations. So and, you know, I don't want my daughter if God forbid my daughter who is uh, 30 years old, um, ever diagnosed with breast cancer, you know, maybe this this could help her or your, I don't know if you have daughters or daughters, nieces, and 1% of men get breast cancer too. So, Mm -hmm. so it's helping future generations. Now, I know that seven years after your diagnosis, you ended up getting involved with something else that really ended up leading to, to some additional meaning in your life. And that was something called a fresh chapter. Um, tell us about that organization. What do they do? Oh, it was so beautiful. A fresh chapter. You know, when I talk about a fresh chapter, I smile. <laughs> but a fresh chapter is an organization. Her name is Terry Wingham, and she f- co-founded it. She's from Canada. And I was on Facebook, and I'm like, well, what is a fresh chapter? Because one of my friends was going, I think she was going to Peru. And um, she was asking for donations. So I'm like, okay, I'll donate, but I want to read up on it as well. Yeah, so, why is she going to yeah, Peru? Yeah, why is she going to Peru? And she's, you know, she's had, she has metastatic breast cancer like I did do. So she, um, so I asked her about it and I went on the website and I'm like, I'll never get this. I'll never, you know. And I filled out the application and everything. And then I talked to uh, Terry and I was going to India. Yeah. So we went over to India in 2016, and it was like, uh, what was it, about 12 uh, cancer survivors. You don't have to be breast cancer. It's any cancer, and you could be a caregiver. Okay. Yeah. And we went over there, and it was just amazing, amazing. So they're sending cancer survivors or caregivers mm-hmm. all around the world? 
Yes. Basically, do you pick the country or they're suggesting a country saying this is one where where you could help? No, they have particular countries. Actually, I just came back from Kenya with a fresh chapter. Oh, wow. Um, about three weeks ago. So you've now done two different trips. Yeah, with two them. different trips. And what is the point of these trips? Is this just a, a tourism thing, or there's more to it? Well, the first trip was just to um, do self care, and she gave us tools uh, to be able to take time out for self care. Because when I first uh, was diagnosed, I was like, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, I want to help this person, I want to help that person. But I never took the time for self care. I never took the time to accept my diagnosis. Or I never took the time for Sheila, because I was always. Th- so when I went over there, she gave us tools. Um, for just to be able to take time out for yourself, to think about yourself first. Because if you don't think about yourself first, you can't help others, you know. So, and once she gave us those tools and we volunteered, um, I volunteered at a school in India, which was really nice. And the kids, they were like from three to eight years old. And they were amazing. And they didn't care nothing about iPads or iPhones or anything. They just wanted love and I wanted love. So we both, you know, it was a great pairing. Yeah, it was a great pairing because we both wanted the same thing. So it was really, really nice experience. In Kenya, we went over there to help them to try to establish cancer programs, you know, to help them um, with their cancer programs over there. For people who um, are in need of treatment? or Not so much in need of treatment, but um, for people that are, uh, uh, that are diagnosed um with breast, uh, not so much breast cancer, but cancer, period. Because over there they think, um, Kenyans uh, think that maybe uh, cancer is the death sentence, it's automatic. Mm. So we were over there sharing our stories, um, just connecting with, we had six, uh, they called fellows, six Kenyan fellows with us, and it was six Americans, and it was six um, Eda Lilly uh, personnel, and we went over there, and it was just an amazing, amazing experience how we all came together for one cause, and that was to help Kenya get, you know, or give them the information and the tools to uh, help them over there with cancer, because cancer doesn't discriminate. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So were they receptive, getting to meet these Americans, sort of oh my explaining goodness. about your journey? They were so, um, it was just so amazing. It was just a, a a great experience. I mean, we went to a barraza, and a barraza is almost like, I described it as like a city hall meeting where we went to this village, and we all, all of us, um, got to share our stories, and I mean, they asked questions. I even shared my story. I went to a hospital, and I shared my story in the waiting room. Hmm. And one of the Kenyan, um, uh, Kenyans stood up, and he was like, man, you know, uh, I wish you could do this all the time, just come back and give us hope, you know. And it was just such a good feeling, like, man, my story is reaching people over here in Kenya, you know, it, that my story is very important and is is giving people hope. So that's all through a fresh chapter. Do you yes. see yourself um, going on additional trips for them now in the future? Well, um, yes, um, we're going to, we're having like an alumni summit in March in New Orleans. So it's kind of nice that we get 
kind of like a refresher, not a re- yeah, like a refresher to, you know, say, are, are you doing this self-care and just um, some, some more tools to help us uh, get through each day, you know, when we're um, dealing with cancer. It's an important reminder that even yeah. when you're busy out there sharing your story, you need to make sure you take time for yourself. Yes, you do. You really have to put yourself first. If you feel tired, you know, relax. If your body sits down, sit down, you know, just really, because cancer is, I always tell people cancer is a beast. <laughs> and it's a lot, especially with metastatic breast cancer. So, And I know that not just in your own battle, but this is something that you've seen with your family. I understand your mom died of breast cancer. Right. She, yeah, she died in 2004 of breast cancer. And five years later, in 2009, I was diagnosed. So I've, you know, I tell people that I've seen cancer like um, since 2001, so it was that 18 years, I've had to, like, grasp that cancer is just going to be a permanent part of my life. That's a really right. long battle. Yeah, and, you know, there's no cure for, you know, metastatic breast cancer. So, you know, I remind women all the time, get your mammograms, do your self-breast exams, you know, and just take care of your body, take care of your breast. And and for those out there that are... Um, you know, I have been diagnosed with breast cancer. You are not alone. We are all here together. I'm your sister. I'm here, you know, even though you might not know me, I'm here fighting with you along the sidelines. We're trying to get bills passed in Congress. You know, it's just a lot of things that we're trying to do. So, And one last question. I know that um, these clinical trials, this is something that's so important to you. If somebody is out there listening who's another woman of color and she's got maybe concerns about this idea of being in a trial, what would you want her to know or what would you want her to, to be aware of from your experience as she's, she's trying to decide whether to do this? Well, first, I have a great relationship with my oncologist, you know, and I trust my oncologist because after 10 years, like, it's co- like, come, you know. It's a long, like, long relationship. Time, you have a great relationship. And just to know that, write your questions down. If you have any questions about clinical trials or you can go on um, – many websites that will tell you about clinical trials um, and just learn more about it. Um, so do some educate, research. Yeah, do some research, educate yourself on clinical trials, and make sure you ask your doctor, well, hey, I heard about this clinical trial, or I heard about that cl- clinical trial. Because once you're on a clinical trial, you don't have to stay on it if you don't. Hmm. You can, you know, I can get off this clinical trial anytime. You know, and my clinical trial coordinator always tell me that, like, Sheila, you you know, it's like, no, it's working, so we're going to stick with it. But just know that they're not a last resort, and they're important because as African-American women, you know, we have different genes, and, you know, it's not going to be, you know, uh, one cure. I don't think it's, it's Sheila speaking, but it's going to be um, – different cures because, you know, it's different breast cancers. You have inflammatory breast cancer. You have, and my cancer was HER2 positive, which means that my cancer fed off of estrogen. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and then you have uh, aggressive, more aggressive cancers. So there are so many, uh, there are over so many subtypes of breast cancer. So just to make sure you ask all the right questions and just be an advocate for yourself. Be, that's the most important thing you could do is be an advocate for yourself. 
That's Sheila McGlown. She's an Air Force, U.S. Air Force veteran who's been fighting breast cancer now for 10 years. Sheila, uh, thank you so much for your service. And thank, thank, you. You, thank you for joining us today. Too. Thank you. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU.